0: Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning we'll be focusing on our Old Testament lesson, that first lesson from Exodus chapter 3. We'll be going through it then verse by verse, so if you'd like to follow along in your Bible and your service folder, that might be helpful. You might have noticed in the back of your folder there's also some questions that you might answer as we go through these verses. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In our gospel lesson, we heard Jesus say, before Abraham was born, I am. Pretty startling statement. The Jews who heard it said, who do you think you are? You're not even 50 years old. How can you have seen Abraham? Abraham. He's been dead for 400 years or more. They understood what Jesus was saying. They understood that he was taking them back to this incident in the Exodus, to the conversation that God had with Moses at the burning bush. As we study those verses this morning, we'll be able to answer the question, Who is the Lord? Verse 1. Now Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, a priest of Midian. And he had led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. Maybe I wonder why Moses was shepherding flocks out in the wilderness of Sinai. We think of him as the, the prince of Egypt, right? The one that... The daughter of Pharaoh had rescued when he was floating in the basket in the Nile, had adopted, at his son, the one who was raised in the palace of Pharaoh himself. So what's he doing out in Sinai tending sheep? Well, you might also remember that when Moses was about 40, he saw an Egyptian taskmaster abusing a Hebrew servant, and he intervened. He ended up killing that Egyptian taskmaster... And then he had to flee from the wrath of Pharaoh. He went into the wilderness of Sinai. He met Jethro's daughter and married her. And he'd been tending the family sheep for 40 years. Verses 2 and 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in blazing fire within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but the bush was not burning up. So he said, I will go over and look at this amazing sight. Find out why the bush is not burning up. God wants to get people's attention. Oftentimes in the Bible, He showed His glory. He appeared in a form of brightness, a bright cloud, or sometimes blazing fire. As he led the people through the wilderness, we know that he did both, didn't he? He had the pillar of cloud leading them by day the pillar of fire by night. When the temple was dedicated, he came down in a bright cloud and filled the temple to indicate his holiness and his presence. On Pentecost, he sent those things that looked like tongues of fire to rest on the heads of the disciples. He got Moses' attention. By having his glory appear as if it were a burning, blazing fire within a bush. Now it's not a tree. It's a little dried up thorn bush out in the wilderness. So if there's a burning fire in that kind of a bush, you would expect it's going to be completely burned up, turned to ashes in just a matter of minutes. That's what Moses expected. Well, when that's not what happened. went over to check it out. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to take a look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, I am here. The Lord saw. God called Moses by name. Shouldn't pass over Those things very quickly. Moses, you might remember, was raised by his own mother, who was hired by Pharaoh's daughter to be his nursemaid, and she would have taught him about the promises of God. He knew what God had said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he knew the promises of God. But, what happened? The Israelites were living in Egypt. They were foreigners in a foreign country, and now the Egyptians were making them slaves and and persecuting them. And he himself was a fugitive from justice, living out in the middle of nowhere. He wasn't enjoying the pleasures of the palace anymore where he had grown up. He must have been tempted to think. Where is this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Does he really exist? Are his promises really true? Where is he? Doesn't look like he's doing much. Looks like he's forgotten Israel. Looks like he's forgotten me. <clears throat> no. God appears to him. He hasn't forgotten. He calls Moses by name. He hasn't forgotten Moses. There's great comfort for us in those words, isn't there? God promises you and me, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He always knows where we are. He always knows what's going on in our lives. He calls us by name. In fact, Scripture reminds us that He has redeemed us. He's purchased us from sin, death, and the power of the devil to be His own. Purchased us with the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. He calls us by name. He says, "You are mine." And our baptism, He claimed us. He placed His name on us. 5 and 6. The Lord said, Do not come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When we're tempted to think that maybe God doesn't know or God doesn't care, our view of God is really diminished. We see him as weak, forgetful, as powerless, as uncaring. But then, God shows himself to us. He does it today, not in the burning bush, but through his word. And we realize how wrong our view of God has been. In the holiness of God strikes fear in our hearts as it struck fear in the heart of Moses. We realize how sinful we are, how powerless we are, how frail we are. We realize that that blazing fire that's burning in the bush, but not burning it up, that consuming fire of God is what should envelop us for all eternity because of our sins. So if Moses doubted the presence and power of God when God appeared to him, when God told him, you're in the presence of the holy God, you're on holy ground, take off your sandals. There's no reason or room for doubt about the power and presence of God any longer. The presence, power, and holiness of God revealed his sin and filled him with fear. And we never lose that awe Of God, as we think about who He is, as we think about His omnipresence, of His omniscience, of His omnipotence, as we think about His holiness and His glory. Verses 7 through 10. The Lord said, I have certainly seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard their cry for help because of their slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to deliver them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, indeed, the Israelites' cry for help has come to me. Yes, I have seen how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Come now. I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God is the God Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the same being who spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them the promise of the Savior. He's the same being who spoke thousands of years later to Abraham and promised him, 400 years before Moses was born, that his people would inherit the promised land, the land of Canaan. And even more importantly, gave him that most wonderful promise through you, Abraham, through your descendant. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. He's not a distant God. He's not a God who's been on vacation for 400 years. He has seen what's going on. He has heard the prayers of his people. He is aware of their suffering cares. He's going to do something about it. He's got a plan. God says that same thing to you and to me. No matter what our situation in life, no matter how bad or how hopeless it might seem, he says I see. I'm aware of what's going on in your life. I have heard your prayers. And I have a plan. I have a plan to deliver you. My ultimate plan is to be with you and guide you through all the trials and temptations and tribulations of life and take you safely to be with me in the promised land of heaven. Verses 11-13 through But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. This will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God told Moses that he had come personally to him, to call him to be the deliverer, to be the one who would lead his people out of Egypt to the promised land. Forty years earlier, Moses had thought that's what he would do. On his own, he thought he would deliver God's people. That's why he intervened and killed that Egyptian taskmaster. But his attempt at being Israel's deliverer failed. It failed because he did it on his own. He hadn't had the call from God. He hadn't sought the Father's will. He did it all on his own. And so it failed. And now, 40 years later, Moses is thinking just the opposite way, right? God comes to him and says, I want you to be delivered. And he says, Who am I? And he makes all kinds of excuses. Why God should choose someone else. In fact, finally at the end he says, God, I don't want to do it. Just pick someone else. You've ever tried to do something that you thought was the right thing to do, was a good thing to do, and it failed? There's some questions that you can ask. Did I do this on my own? Did I do it without any guidance from God, without asking for his help and his strength? Did I think I can do it with my own strength, with my own power? Did you, like Moses, do it but get involved in something that was clearly against one of God's commands? So Moses did. He killed the Egyptian. That wasn't God's plan. A difficult line for us sinful human beings to walk, to walk that path between sinful self-confidence and sinful self-deprecation. Moses was on both sides of the floor. We can fall off the path to the one side and say, it's my power, it's my strength, I don't need God. God, you can help someone else. I got this one. That's not going to work. Or we can fall off the path to the other side And here, God's saying, well, here's something I want you to do. And we say, well, who am I to do that, God? I can't do that. We don't trust him to be with us and give us the strength. The answer is to devote ourselves to the study of his word, isn't it? To do all we can to learn what his will is for the world, for us, for his church, to study his word to ask for his help and his guidance. He's promised, I will certainly be with you. We learn from Scripture, without Jesus we can do nothing, nothing that's pleasing in God's eyes. But with Jesus, connected through faith to him, the true vine, he gives us the strength to produce much fruit. Verses 14 and 15. So God replied to Moses, I am who I am. He also said, you will say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also told Moses, say this to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is how I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Moses said, basically, ask God for a letter of introduction, a referral, right? He's saying, if I go to the Israelites and say, follow me out of Egypt, I'm going to take you to the promised land and go, why should we listen to you? How do we know you're not just making this up? So God answers his request. He says, tell them, I am, has sent me to you. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was, even though they've been dead for 400 years. I am still now their God. I am the one and only true God, the one who simply exists, the one who is outside of anything and everything, totally independent, outside of time, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is the one. Who created everything that exists by the power of His Word? The Lord is the one who gave the promise of the Savior to Adam and Eve. The Lord is the one who spoke to Abraham and promised him the Lamb and the Savior. He is the one who took on flesh and blood and came into this world so that He could carry out His promise to crush the serpent's head. He is the one who is always present to keep every single promise He's ever made. He is the light of the world and consuming fire. He is the one who forgave Moses for killing that Egyptian and then called him to serve him and to be to deliver, to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And the same one who forgives all of our sins because of what Jesus has done for us and calls us to serve him in faith each day. He is the one who knows everything that's going on in our lives, who calls us by our name, who hears our every prayer, and who's leading us through this life to the promised land in heaven. He's the God who, although we don't see a little burning bush up in front here, who's here right now. That's what he promised. Wherever two or three gather together, there am I with them. Stand in awe of God. Then, trust that he is certainly with you as he promised for Jesus' sake, as you live your lives in faith each day. Amen. Please stand.